Welcome listeners. I'm Sid Giller, Associate Director of Employer Relations at the Graduate Career Management Center at the Zicklin School of Business at Brook College. Thank you for tuning into this episode. We're really excited to dive into our conversation today. We have Nikhil Mandwani, an alum of Zicklin's MS in Finance program and current AVP Associate at RBC Capital Markets with us today, here to talk about navigating sponsorship and the job search. Kiel, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to be chatting about your experience navigating sponsorship in the the job search. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So would love to sort of kick it off just by having you introduce yourself and, you know, share a little bit about, um, you know, your background and, and just sort of walk us through what you've been up to. Yeah, sure. So I did my MS in finance from Baruch. Uh, I graduated in uh, 2021. And uh, before that, I did my CPA, which is called as chartered accountancy in India. I did my bachelor's over there. I also did my master's. And then I did my internship, which you have to do in the CPA course from EY uh, in India. And then I came here to do my master's in finance. Um, I was working in India for a while at a small manufacturing firm in their corporate development department. And uh, coming to Baruch, doing my MS in finance, I realized that the value of networking, sponsorship, and internships. So after my first semester, um, I did my internship with a venture capital firm that was based out of California in their Africa division. And it was a remote internship, so I did it in New York. And then after that, I wanted to explore the other side. And that's why I decided to go for a startup. And in the startup, I was uh, doing strategy and finance. And I enjoyed that, but I also wanted um, a third internship uh, to get the corporate culture. So there was a credit rating agency, and I was a a mortgage-backed securities intern in there. Uh, it was a new issuance department. So basically, when you have a new issuance of CMBS, how do you value that? And uh, how do you calculate the valuation of the property, the deals, et cetera? And then after that, I got an offer from Morgan Stanley for full-time position. So I decided I want to work at Morgan Stanley, considering it is the, it's, it's an investment bank. And that's what I always wanted to do. So I worked in uh, Morgan Stanley's investment banking division for one year. And I did, and after doing all of this, I realized the the fun part that I enjoyed the most was strategy and finance, more management and strategy oriented roles. And I was very fortunate that RBC, the current employer I am working at right now, they were uh, setting up their new U.S. region division, and I got an opportunity to work with them. So right now I work in performance management and strategic initiatives of the bank of the capital markets hold together. And uh, yeah, and uh, it's been it's going to be one year with RBC, and I hope to stay here for a long amount of time because uh, this is something that I enjoy doing. So yeah, that's that's about me. Um, that's really helpful, and I think you highlight something that's so important as well, which is getting these um, varied experiences to learn what you love. Um, and so it's really exciting to hear that you were able to have these different internships and full time opportunities that allowed you to figure out the things that you were really interested in doing, and that you were able to land somewhere where you're doing something you really love. Um, And so if we like sort of rewind a little bit and go back to, you know, 2020, 2021, you're starting your job search, you know, what were the things that you were thinking about at that time as you were starting to look for a full-time role? Uh, So for, so I would start with the internship so that Mm -hmm. uh, like I can give you the whole picture. 
So with internships, what I was looking for was that I, I wasn't looking for sponsorship. I was looking to get as many uh, different roles I could so I can try everything and then decide what I like. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I wasn't keen on getting sponsorship. But the third last internship, I was looking for something that will also offer me sponsorship because that's mm-hmm. important. So that I kept it on the last internship. Um, and after that, uh, with the full-time role, what I was looking for uh, was a good brand name because that's what matters a lot. Uh, if you have a great brand name on your resume, well, like EY was a big name on my resume, but this was experience in India. So it it doesn't reciprocate the same way it does here. So if I, it was EYUS, it would have been a different ball game. But then I realized that I need to have a great brand name of a company that I work in the US for. So I was looking for a brand name. I was also looking for a good experience in uh, the division that I want. I wanted to work in investment banking, see how it feels like, what it feels like. And then I was also looking for a sponsorship company that is very flexible in hiring me because a lot of companies that don't offer sponsorship would not likely hire you altogether. Mm-hmm. So I had to find out a company that would hire me and offer sponsorship. So these were the three factors that I was mainly looking for. And obviously, like the the important thing is money as well. So I was also looking for a good pay. Uh, but yeah, my primary uh, goal was to get a big brand name. Mm-hmm. Thank you. First... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying for my first uh, at least full time offer, that that's what I was looking for. Um, thank you so much. And I think it's it's great to hear that you went in with a sort of really clear list of those specific things that you were looking for. And so you you have sort of these parameters for your job search. What were, as you kicked it off, some of the resources that you used and the things that you found the most helpful in your internship and job search? Uh, yeah. So one of the things that I found really helpful was writing your resume. And uh, like I had read a lot about resumes and their there's a there's a system called as the applicant tracking system. It's called ATS. So how do you bypass the ATS? So the resume actually reaches the recruiter. So I looked upon those things. I did try to change my resume. I did try to revamp my resume. I sent it to a couple of people and got their feedback, inculcated that feedback. And after that, uh, I also reached out to a lot of people just uh, to have a networking call with them through LinkedIn. Uh, One of the things that I've seen recently students doing is when they send me a message on LinkedIn, they'll shoot their resume alongside as an introductory message. Mm -hmm. They'll send me a big paragraph and they'll also send me a resume. Now, this is something that I never did. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I recommend people don't do. Because if you are trying to build a relationship with a person, you're sending your resume uh, in the first message is really wrong. Mm-hmm. So what I never did, and that's what I think someone should not do. In a, you need to build an actual relationship with the person. You need to actually listen to their experiences and not ask for a job directly. So that's what I did. I didn't ask for jobs. I was listening to their experiences and how they landed their first roles or their second roles or their internships. And those things gave me valuable insights on my background and on my resume. 
And the third thing that I did was I did use the resources of GCMC and mm-hmm. I did use the resources of Handshake. I think Baruch was running a pilot program with Morgan Stanley and uh, there was a uh, so basically what you had to do, so I saw uh, a slot on Handshake mm-hmm. which said chat uh, with the Morgan Stanley recruiter one-on-one. And that was not necessarily for a job, but I I actually applied for that. I mean, if I don't get a job, but I still get an opportunity to speak with the recruiter of Morgan Stanley. So that's what I did. I sent my resume and I got selected to speak with the recruiter and uh, she was really kind and we had a conversation and then she gave me some opportunities and then I interviewed for two roles and I was selected uh, with Morgan Stanley. So uh, using resources for GCMC and Handshake and like Baruch all together is very important, I think so. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think they're, they're such valuable resources and, and Handshake really has a lot of um, content within it as do um, a lot of the folks here at the GCMC in terms of their own background and experience. And you mentioned uh, a few times so far, and I've also heard through the grapevine that you're a pretty great networker. Um, and so I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how you developed your network and you made those strong connections. I think that advice you just provided is really valuable to, to students looking to grow their network and would love to hear a little bit more about how you did that and, and how you've maintained those strong connections. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Thank you for the question. I think the first thing that I did was uh, started like building my good profile, like mm-hmm. had some value on the profile, like had a good picture, had all the info on myself. I had my own website. Like it's not necessarily you need a website, mm-hmm. but then I had my own website. And then I also had my prof, uh, had my experiences listed, my career, ba- like education listed my team mm-hmm. awards, all of them listed. So it looks like a good LinkedIn profile. So if someone goes in the profile, they see that the person is authentic. And uh, so that's what, that, that is the most important thing. Sometimes I do look at people's profiles and then when they reach out to me and then I'm like, hmm, should I trust this person? Should I have a call with them? Mm-hmm. Um, it also shows your seriousness, how serious you are uh, about you know networking because having a good profile also like it's like Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Like having good pictures gains you more followers, having good reels. So that's the same concept with LinkedIn. So having a good profile was the first step. And then I reached out, I started reaching out to a couple of people in my network. The I started finding similarities. A, if you are an alumni of Baruch, I might connect with you. Mm-hmm. And the first message would be, Thank you for connecting. We share the same university. I I study in Baruch and I see you are an alumni. It would be great to have a coffee chat with you. Mm-hmm. Like small message, finding similarities. And that's it. Nothing major, not sending like long paragraphs of messages because usually people's attention span is really small. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if uh, someone was not from Baruch, I would uh, send them an invite on a different similarity. Like if someone was from my hometown in India, or if someone was from India in general, or if someone was from EY, EY US, EY India. So like finding the similarities. Mm-hmm. And once you have those similarities, once you start reaching out to people, then you just do a trial and error run. Mm-hmm. You send out the messages, you see which message worked the best, and then you keep on having like keep on building that message building mm-hmm. onto that message so you get the learning curve 
And um, eventually I realized, so oh, this is the format of message that works best for me. And then I started sending it to different people and I started receiving the networking uh, calls with them, started receiving coffee chats with them. And my first, uh, my first coffee chat with anyone uh, usually uh, was to listen to their experiences, mm -hmm. speak less, listen more. That was my goal. Uh, like the first, uh, first coffee chat should be about them and not you. You can sell yourself maybe on the third call or something. Uh, but yeah, then uh, once people started getting accustomed to the conversations, uh, you have a follow-up call with them and then you try to meet them in person if that's possible. Because when, uh, when I was a, a student, it was peak COVID, so I couldn't get a chance to meet with a lot of people. Uh, but now you can actually ask them if they're okay to meet in person. It's not going to happen usually, like uh, because everyone has a busy schedule. Um, but then it's worth asking. And then after like a second follow-up call, you have a third follow-up call and then you present them with your problem. If they could refer you or if they could not refer you, then what are you doing wrong or what are you doing right? Like if you're mm -hmm. not getting um, uh, calls back from the recruiters or if you're not passing the second round of interview, you can ask them and they'll let you know uh, because they have been in the industry for quite some time so that all things uh, combined worked for me mm -hmm. thank you yeah i think um you offer some really great suggestions in terms of how to get your foot in the door and then the other thing that i really love that you shared is this idea of sort of thinking about okay if i'm not hearing back from recruiters how do i get feedback how do i sort of target and identify what the problem is and then figure out how to pivot and and find a solution from there and so i think that's really valuable advice and and certainly appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yes. Uh, so I just want to say that sometimes what happens is like recruiters will not be able to give you direct feedback because they have their like concerns. And sometimes people, if you give them some feedback, people would go and file a lawsuit. So mm -hmm. just to avoid all those things, people, usually recruiters wouldn't be able to give you the feedback, the actual feedback that you're looking for. Mm -hmm would say how you know the other person has more experience and all that stuff but the actual feedback uh you can get from uh reiterating the conversation mm -hmm. you had in mind or you can also tell this to your mentor and just go through with them about the whole conversation and they'll let you know definitely and i think that's a really good point as well um and in the you know a shameless plug to sort of lean on your network for that feedback and also um, folks here at the, the GCMC as well can offer you that real-time feedback when you can't find it in um, actual like practice in your job search and interviews as well. Right, right, right. Um, amazing. So shifting gears a little bit, you know, we talked early on about the parameters of your job search and, and what you were looking for. And, and one thing that came up as well is that, you know, there's obviously the sponsorship piece. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about the process of getting sponsorship and, and what that was like for you. Yeah, uh, so sponsorship, as a lot of students know, especially international students, we have uh, an added level of uh, filter, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, that we have to go through in order to get a job. First of all, companies, uh, you have to look for companies that are able to sponsor sponsor you. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I see a lot of messages on LinkedIn, people asking me if the company sponsors or they have heard from someone that the company doesn't sponsor. It actually depends from a one uh, 
it actually depends from one job to the other mm-hmm. so it's not company all together there are companies that don't sponsor at all like i i know a few companies that wouldn't sponsor at all but i know companies that sponsor but it is specific to what job you have mm-hmm. if it's uh if it's uh, a front office role if it's a middle office role if it's a back office role so uh, it depends on how much money they have uh, allocated towards that job mm-hmm. so so uh, i would recommend students uh not ask people uh ask the recruiters directly and also be honest um look at the job description and be honest to the recruiter or when you are filing for uh, the filing for a job mm-hmm. when you have the job apl- application a lot of students i have uh, seen they say no that they don't require sponsorship and after the recruiter call after everything they say uh, they say that that they need sponsorship or they'll say that oh they have uh, a stem opt or opt so they don't they so they're good for 3 years so a lot of companies wouldn't hire you even if you are an opt if you don't need sponsorship even if you don't need sponsorship for the last, next 3 years mm. so because it's just something that they don't do it's just yeah. something they have they don't have a legal division they don't have an immigration division so being honest is very important because that mm. would uh, that would leave like a note on your profile altogether uh with the recruiters and like if the recruiter moves on to a different company it doesn't you know it doesn't work anymore because mm-hmm. you already have like a distant relationship with them now so um so after all that i i did was very honest with the firms mm-hmm. that i need sponsorship and uh with morgan stanley i spoke with the recruiter and she said yeah sponsorship is not going to be a problem for us so we'll sponsor you and i graduated in may uh i think yeah may mm-hmm. may or like my last classes were may 26th or something um, so i graduated in may but i joined morgan stanley in march so you have usually three attempts for h1b visa mm-hmm. um if you graduate like in may but if you get a job like if everything works out like things worked out for me like i joined in march and the mm-hmm. last date of filing for sponsorship is 31st of march and if you graduate by may you have a degree because the the filing for the petition is last date is 30th of june so everything worked out for me and it was my zeroth attempt that's what it's called zeroth attempt so i got my visa in the zeroth attempt so i didn't have uh, to go for the first second or the third attempt Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah um i think it was an easy process but uh, when i was looking for jobs my priority was um, graduating 6 or months before i started looking for companies that will offer sponsorship mm-hmm. otherwise it's very difficult and what happens is like companies do like startups will take you for like let's say you uh, you are telling them that you don't need sponsorships sponsorship um a startup will hire you and they'll be like okay if you don't need sponsorship and you are on opt and all that verification can be done through the college they'll hire you but then as the more you are in the job role the more anxious you become because one year two years three years you are losing your attempts mm-hmm. so priority 
shouldn't be finding a job. It should be finding a job with sponsorship. And the second priority should be finding a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like um, if if living in the US or like if you have uh, the idea of settling in the US and you just want to like permanently move here, mm-hmm. your first uh, priority should be finding a job which offers sponsorship but has lesser pay. Like a lot of students are stuck in a dilemma that there is a company that is offering me $100,000, but it doesn't offer sponsorship. And there's a company that is offering me 80,000, but it is offering sponsorship. So going for 80,000 initially is a good idea because mm-hmm. you build that build on that wealth in the latter years once you have uh, your H1B situation sorted out. Yeah, I, I love this sort of idea of prioritizing, um, finding sponsorship, and then sort of going from there. I think it's really critical to have those um, priorities really set forth as you begin your job search. And the other thing I, I also want to call out, I think um, being honest from the get-go is so important to your point about upfront, just sort of saying that you need sponsorship and um, really sort of being cognizant um, of the recruiter and the company's time as well as your own time. It's certainly can be frustrating to go through an entire recruitment process to um, find out you can't get sponsorship at the end and you you don't get that time back. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it's it's certainly a difficult process or it can be a difficult process to get sponsorship. And so as you were navigating your job search, it, it worked out really wonderfully, which is so exciting. But how did you remain sort of optimistic about the process and how did you not get frustrated or the things that you did to sort of uh, persevere? uh i think um uh, i did get frustrated a lot but like i was okay because um i'll tell you uh, so the the way it worked out for me when i was in india i was preparing for this intense course the chartered accountancy course Mm -hmm. uh I saw a lot of students uh, failing the examinations, appearing for it again, uh, appearing, reappearing, reappearing. And so I think building on to that, I already had that mindset of perseverance mm-hmm. when I came to US because I came from that background. When I came here, it was different because it was this wasn't an examination. This was actually job applications. So examinations, you know where you went wrong. The job mm-hmm. applications, you don't know what is wrong with you, where you lagged in the interview, where where the recruiter didn't like you, what you said was incorrect that you got rejected. But um, I did I did just keep keep what I did was I kept applying for jobs, mm-hmm. and um, I. I just got used to that rejection. Like every morning you wake up and you see like a few emails, uh, the automated rejections. And I was like, fine, that's, uh, if, if that's how it has to go, then it's fine. Then I just did that for like one month, one year to two years. So one of the things that I want to tell the students is I never stopped applying for jobs until I was at Morgan Stanley. Mm-hmm. And once I, didn't, uh, re- once I realized that I don't enjoy what I'm doing, I started reapplying. So for the uh, for the time from the time when I started my MS to the time I graduated, I just kept on applying. Mm-hmm. Like even if I got one internship, I would still apply. That mm-hmm. was my pastime. Like um, if I was in the bathroom, I would apply a few jobs through LinkedIn, like those easy applies. If I was watching a movie, it was just like something, um, you know, it's, uh, I developed. Like people usually doom scroll on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. used to, I used to apply for jobs on mm-hmm. LinkedIn. 
Doom apply. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like you should trademark Doom Apply. Um, I think that that's a really <laughs> great suggestion, though. It's so easy if you're going to be on your phone or your computer to to swap out the Doom scrolling for um, job applications and other things, especially with easy apply um, options as well. Yeah, no, uh, I did get a lot of interviews as well. Like I had the option to choose which, which job I want. Mm -hmm. I had like a few jobs lined up mm -hmm. uh, and then I took Morgan Stanley. Uh, but yeah, uh, this was amazing uh, mm -hmm. because I just never gave up. I, I just, I I didn't pressurize myself. I didn't think, oh, what if, if this doesn't work out and what if this doesn't, if this works out, but it doesn't happen what I want. Like all those what ifs, I mm -hmm. as low as I can. I mean, you still get those thoughts, but like you manage it by meditation, mindfulness or whatever works out for you. For me, going to the gym worked out. So like um, I had some spare time where I didn't think about all of this. Yeah, I think it's it's important to find an outlet to during the job search process, which can certainly be really stressful and overwhelming. And there can often be a lot of rejection to find those outlets to um, to take that energy. And so I think you know, persistence and, and finding those outlets are, are really great um, things to share with students. Is there any other advice you'd give to students who are in a similar position that you were in once in, you know, students who are trying to get sponsorship and maybe don't feel hopeful, maybe they're they're losing hope a little bit. Is there any advice you'd have for them? Yeah, actually a couple of advices. So I would say in terms of sponsorship, there are a lot of companies that offer sponsorship. Mm -hmm. So students don't have to necessarily stress about sponsorship. If you if you don't find a company initially, I would say just just keep on applying for jobs. Like if you find a startup that doesn't offer sponsorship, but it is hiring. Um, so you get like that's your last resort. Um, and then you hire, uh, you go go with them and then you still apply, keep applying for jobs because your first priority is staying in the US. So that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can also convince uh, the, the people in the team that if they are okay sponsoring, it's not a big deal and all that stuff. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, startups doing it. Like after you get accustomed to the working culture, like one year and they like you so much that they they decide to sponsor you through uh, an uh, attorney from the outside and not having an in-house attorney is fine mm -hmm. too. Um, so first, I would recommend not stressing about it and then and I would recommend finding sponsorship if you don't find, obviously, the route that I just mentioned. Uh, and then the third would be when things are not working out and you're just like, you're, um, you're stressed, I would say give yourself a break for two days. This might sound like a bad idea, but trust me, like mm -hmm. once you give yourself a break, you just go somewhere, like go to Poconos or like Catskills or like go hike for two days or three days and then come back with a refreshed mindset and restart. Because sometimes when we are, like especially when I was a student, I was uh, confined to my 10 by 10 apartment room and, uh, you know, like when I went outside that, room I realized life is bigger than that mm -hmm. it's not just my problems and the problems that I've been facing so having a break is very important mm -hmm. so yeah and th yeah that's uh that's about it I would say
Yeah, I think the break piece is so crucial. You can sort of um, drive yourself a little mad staring at the same things and doing the same things over and over. And so that break is such a great way to sort of um, hit the refresh button. And so I think that's really wonderful advice. Um, and, you know, thank you so much for for taking the time to chat today. It's just been really exciting to hear what you've been up to and, and how you were able to navigate sponsorship in your job search and how you're able to sort of navigate your job search and, and grow your network as well. I think you've offered a lot of really wonderful uh, advice throughout our conversation today that hopefully students will carry with them in their processes. Um, and I just think this was an incredibly helpful uh, conversation and just appreciate all the insights you've shared today. Well, yeah, thank you for having me. Always there to help uh, my fellow students, uh, my fellow Baruch uh, people. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll uh, send my LinkedIn uh, profile to Sid and then Sid will be able to put that in the description if that's possible. So students who have uh, any concerns or they want to um, ask me some questions, I'm happy to respond to them via LinkedIn. Amazing. Yes, I'll be sure to include that in the description um, and connect students with you should they reach out as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks listeners for tuning in to the GCMC podcast, where we look to get off the record thoughts and perspectives from individuals who have been hiring managers or in hiring positions in their careers. The GCMC is here for Zicklin MBA and MS students and alumni for their careers wherever they are. So be sure to stay in touch with us.